Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Today, we're joined by Jake Romanak from Fishing 411 TV. Jake, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Tell me about this trip. We were out on the show floor here. We're at the Greater Niagara Fishing and Outdoor Show, and you were telling me about a, a trip that you took last year that you're super excited about. Where were you? What were you doing? Well, you know, one of the cool things is we get to travel a lot with Fishing 411. We go all across the country, um, but one of the really cool Great Lakes trips that we took last year that's going to air on Fishing 411 this season was Isle Royal. And basically, that is just, it was an incredible experience. We drove 55 miles with our walleye fishing boats, our 20-foot boats, ran 55 miles out into Lake Superior where you find the big island of Isle Royal. And we camped there for five days. Uh, and this was the end of May time frame. A lot of guys will go there in the summertime, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and when I say a lot, it's kind of an exaggeration. Not a lot of people go to Isle Royal. It's very much a wilderness experience. Um, but while we were there, we never saw another person the entire time we were there. When you think about Lake Superior in May, it's just a big, huge body of water that's ice cold. So it was a very cold, cold five days on the island. Uh, but the fishing was incredible, man. I mean, we, we lake trout fished to start off. And uh, where we ended up lake trout fishing, we were vertical jigging and casting big jigs, like one, two ounce jigs with big plastics. And uh, we ended up finding some really nice lake trout about seven miles from the island. And uh, these weren't the biggest lake trout I've caught in Lake Superior, but the best average size lake trout, without doubt. We literally were catching, you know, between 10 and 20 pound fish at will. Uh, I've never lake trout fished where I literally wanted to be done. My arms were so <laughs> sore at the end of that day of fishing, um, and you're catching them in deep water. So, so literally about two hours into it, you're like, man, I really don't want to drop that jig back down to the bottom because I hope I don't get bit. But just an incredible experience. So we ended up shooting an, an episode and we did the episode fairly quickly for Fishing 411. Uh, but we knew we were going to be on the island for five days. So we we're like, okay, what else is there to do? So we started looking around and we ended up getting involved in that coaster brook trout fishing that Isle Royal is known for. And, uh, and that was incredible. We ended up catching those fish with little small jerk baits and we would look for the warmest available water. Now, if you remember, you think about Lake Superior, the whole lake is cold, but those bays that go into Isle Royal will warm up quicker than the main lake, and that's where those brook trout were. So we were looking for that 50 to 55 degree water. When we'd find that warmer water, then we would try to find some cobblestone, and those fish like to be around that cobblestone. One of the really cool things about brook trout is if you find one, you normally find a group of them. And so we would look around, you make a lot of casts, but then when you'd find one, then you'd sit and actually fish that group of fish and end up being able to catch five, six, seven fish out of one little small area. And before the time was, was done, we caught a ton of fish and we ended up shooting a second show, which we didn't plan on doing while we were there, but the fishing was so incredible, we figured we would get two shows for the price of one. Right, when you're, when you're doing shows, that rarely happens. Usually you go out to shoot and that doesn't work out and it takes you more time to get the one show you want, but you, you guys able to get two shows in one trip. For, but let's back up a little bit. For people who don't know where Isle Royale is, Tell us a little bit about where that is on Lake Superior. Basically, it's the middle of Lake Superior. In fact, if you drew a line and you looked at it on a map, you'd wonder why it's not Canada. It is Michigan. It's considered Michigan. Isle Royal is in Michigan waters of Lake Superior, but it's much closer to 
the Ontario shoreline than it is the Michigan shoreline. We ran out of, uh, out of the Keweenaw Peninsula, which is the closest point of land to get there, but you're still talking about a 55 mile run to get there. Now, if you wanted to fish Isle Royale in like a small boat, you absolutely could do that. They have a ferry that goes to the island. So you could put your boat, they pick up the boat and put it on a ferry, and then you do the ferry ride all the way out to the island, which is a, a pretty lengthy ferry ride. Um, but we decided to run out there ourselves. And you know, with the technology that we have, getting there is not the scary part. I mean, we can literally look at the weather and we know what the weather is all the way out there. We can look at the buoys, we can see what the wave height is. And if it's rough out, you just simply don't go to Isle mm -hmm. Royal. And so we were lucky and, and we're able to hit a weather window. Now going back is a little bit more sketchy because you don't have internet. You don't have internet access. You are literally in the middle of nowhere at this point. So it's not like you can wake up in the morning and drink your coffee and watch the weather station to see what your weather is. So it's very much wake up, look out, and hope that the weather 55 miles away is the same as the weather that you're sitting at right there. Um, so that part of it was a little scary, but I'm telling you, the whole camping wilderness experience was pretty incredible. What they have on the island itself is basically like a three-sided shacks is the best way that I can describe it. There's a wood floor, three hard sides, and then the face of it is a screen. So basically what we did is we were able to camp at those spots. We were up off the ground. We had uh, sleeping bags and Mr. Buddy heaters to keep us warm. So it really was a pretty nice setup. You don't have to worry about hauling tents and, and all different types of camping equipment out there. Basically we're just through a sleeping bag and a pillow in the boat and we were able to, to be out there for five days. Yeah, is that managed by the state then or who, who runs that camp? Yeah, so, so it's actually a national park. So one of the cool things is that when you're there, there there, there are people that stay on the island year-round. You have the rangers that are there. So if you're ever to have any kind of issue or there was a problem, there's people there. There's gas on the island, so we were able to fill up. And let me tell you, you definitely need gas because by the time you run 55 miles to the island and then you're running around fishing every single day, pretty much, we needed to fill up the boats at the end of the day. So it's kind of the best of both worlds, in my opinion. You get that wilderness experience, but you still have the amenities of having gas on the island and then if there was ever kind of any serious emergency you have those park rangers there as well sure and, and what's it like you said there's ferries going out there how many other people are out there with you and what are you seeing for pressure out there well when we were there we were there in may and there was very very few people in fact the only people on the island at that time were park rangers and then there was a guy that was actually running the gas dock mm -hmm. um, but there are people that go to Isle Royale it's it's a very much a, an experience where you get a lot of you get a lot of bikers you get a lot of kayakers um, so there are people throughout the summer that go there uh, if you're looking to go there and not see another soul that May time frame is a good time to do that uh, there's just simply not a lot of people out there crazy enough to run out 55 miles in ice cold water uh, but if you're looking to go there and maybe see some other people, then that summertime you'll see a few people. Now, it's not going to be a city environment whatsoever. It's even even with that being that it's a it's a preserve. There's not a lot of things you can do. They want you they want you to stay on the walking trails. There's a lot of rules involved as the island itself, but that's what keeps it pristine. That's what keeps it you know natural, and and that's really in my opinion, in the states one of the coolest experiences that you get, you're still in the U.S but you have a very much a wilderness experience. And you're crazy enough. I'm, I'm the crazy guy, buddy. <laughs> I tell you what, I looked forward to that trip. We planned that trip for about six months, 
and, uh, and that's kind of what it takes to do a trip of this size because really at a minimum of six months to plan you have no food you know so you got to bring all the food with you you have to cook all your food and then just the little things you know uh, bringing spare props bringing extra oil for the oven roots bringing all the stuff that we need because when you're out there if you don't have it you just simply are out of luck yeah tell me about the fishing you said you were you guys were jigging for lake trout how does that work what kind of depths were you in well it was early in the spring so these lake trout were still fairly deep and when i say fairly deep we were looking at between 90 and about 150 feet of water and so what we did is we drove around with the boat and we looked for structure tons of structure on lake superior if you're a structure fisherman Lake Superior is the place to do it. So we drove around looking for structure and we'd find these humps out in literally the middle of nowhere where it would be 600 plus feet of water and then come all the way up to like 90 feet on the top. We would drive around that structure looking to see if we could mark fish on that structure. If it was the shallower part of that structure, we would cast to it by using big heavy jigs but making long casts, letting that jig fall all the way down to the bottom and then lifting up and you'd feel that tongue in the line. And then if we were a little bit deeper, sometimes we'd get right over top of those fish and literally just vertical jig them. Now the one thing about Lake Superior that's really important to note is that every other, every Great Lakes is different, right? But Superior has really big forage. That herring forage in Lake Superior is very important for the lake trout population. So our lake trout in Lake Superior eat very big fish. You know, so what we do is we use plastics that are extremely big, more like your musky style baits than what you would think if you were normal lake trout fishing in just about anywhere else in the Great Lakes. Um, everywhere else I've traveled the Great Lakes, you know, like a six inch paddle tail is pretty much key. You're gonna catch lake trout there. But when you go to Lake Superior, you're looking more at like 12, 14 inch size plastics. Big plastics catch big fish. Yeah, and what are you using for line here? Vertical jigging lake trout in 90 feet of water. It doesn't take as heavy a line as you think. You know, 20 pound test braided line is absolutely key. The braid is really key there. You wanna have no stretch in that line. And then we run about a 25 pound test fluorocarbon leader. And that's pretty light, you know, for the most part, you're thinking about catching fish literally every day on Lake Superior, you have a chance of catching a fish over 30 pounds. And I've been blessed to be able to do that, you know, a few times getting those, those fish over 30 pounds, but they have nothing to get caught into. You get them up off bottom, they can't tangle around anything. So there's really not an issue of those fish end up, you know, breaking you off. So you can go with heavy line. And I know guys that actually use their musky rods to lake trout fish, but you know, you can go with a, like a medium heavy rod, seven foot medium heavy rod, maybe a size 30 or size 40 spinning rail 20 pound test braid and a 20 25 pound test leader and you're good to go what's that battle like oh it's incredible i mean you're talking about lake trout and lake superior they are the apex predator i mean there is nothing that's bigger and badder in lake superior than a big lake trout so they act different than everywhere else i've lake trout fished they're mean they're aggressive in fact i'll tell a quick story um not isle royal but lake trout related in lake superior uh, the year before i went to a place called standard rock which is again long ways out in the middle of lake superior and i had about a 35 pound lake trout follow my bait to the boat and it missed the bait and bit the prop on my electric motor. <laughs> and that's the kind of aggressive, you know, how aggressive these fish are. They're incredible. They act like, like a saltwater fish more than a freshwater fish. So aggressive, they'll come right up to the boat and see your boat, see you, and not care and still bite that bait right at the side of the boat. Yeah, they don't see a lot of uh, boats and a lot of, a lot of lures. Yeah, so these fish are, are, are very much unpressured. You're fishing fish that have probably never seen a bait in their entire life. 
because again Isle Royal is that wilderness experience and there's so much water out there it's not like there's one or two humps that these fish are really on it's kind of mind-blowing you, you start driving around and and there's not very good maps out there as far as for graphing so the best way to do it is to just drive around and you'll find something and it's pretty incredible you're out in the middle of nowhere and then all of a sudden a hump comes up and if a hump comes up, there's lake trout on it and Lake Superior. Yeah, what, what makes one hump better than another one when you're out there? You know, I don't know if there's any right or wrong answer to that question, but I, I very much believe it's bait. And uh, if there's bait on that, then obviously there's going to be lake trout there. And, and you're right, sometimes you'll go up to a hump and there's not very many fish, and other times you'll go up to a hump and it's just covered in fish. And I, I just got to believe that has everything to do with forage. Tell me about the difference between that, that lake trout fishing and the fishing you did later in your trip. So the lake trout fishing was, was big, bad, mean lake trout. I mean, just like so much fun. Your arms are sore. The brook trout fishing is a little bit different. We definitely used a lot lighter line when it came to brook trout fishing. But there's very few places in the state that you can talk about catching 18, 19, 20, 21 inch brook trout with some pretty you know regularity. And we were able to catch a lot of those really nice sized brook trout. The way that we caught those fish were about seven and a half medium action rods. We used spinning rods and we got up into that shallow water. And when I say shallow water, I mean shallow. Basically a foot to a foot and a half of water is what these fish were in. And we would cast these jerk baits right up to the shoreline and basically after about one or two jerks on that bait, you would catch the fish. So they were literally right on the shoreline itself. Um, and what we were looking for was that cobblestone. So when you get into those bays, you're driving around with the boat and it's very much just sandy bays. And every once in a while you'll find these groups of cobblestone and those fish like to be in the stone. All I can assume is the bait likes to be in that stone as well. But that's where those fish were. So it made it easy to find them because we would literally just drive around until we found cobblestone and then fish those stones. And what are you using for lures there? Uh, little small jerk baits, a bunch of different brands like a shadow, like a shadow wrap. I think we used quite a bit. Rapala has a couple of the smaller jerk baits. I don't think it mattered on the brand of bait, but a jerk bait's a great way to catch those shallow fish because if you use a spinner and you can catch fish with spinners and, and casting spoons, but these fish are really shallow. So if you use a spinner, it's only in the strike zone for a very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And a jerk bait, I can keep that bait inside that that shallow zone inside that strike zone longer and I. I feel like I get more bites that way. Jake, it sounds like this trip was amazing. Is there anything that we haven't talked about about this trip that uh, you want to share? You know, I think that the, the, the most important thing about this trip is just how how accessible it is. And so many people say, man, that's on my bucket list, but then they never actually check that off their bucket list. And I'm telling you one thing, if you're interested in Isle Royal, get it higher up on that bucket list and do it because it's an incredible, incredible trip. If people want to see this show, where can they find it? This show is going to air here in a few weeks. It's going to be on the Sportsman's Channel and the World Fishing Network. That's where we air for, for Fishing 411 Television. That's our national broadcast. If you miss it on the national broadcast starting on April 1, everything goes up on our YouTube channel, our Fishing 411 YouTube channel. If you subscribe to that, you'll get an email and you won't miss any of our new videos. People want to see and find out more about you. Where do they find you? They're going to find us at fishing411.net is our website, but also our Facebook page is awesome. And we're always on our Facebook page. You're not getting a, a random person on our Facebook page. You're getting us. If you message us on our Fishing 411 Facebook page, you're getting myself or you're getting my dad. So uh, it's a great avenue to be able to reach out to people and talk to people. That's what we do, man. In my opinion, my job is to sell fun. Fishing is fun. I absolutely love it. So I love the opportunity to get to talk to people that love what I love to do.
Awesome. Thanks so much for doing the show. Really appreciate it. It's great stories. Great, sh- great of you to come and share your trip with us. I think people really enjoy what you had to say. It was great to have you on. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.